Happy holidays, folks. Happy holidays. Merry Crisis. Merry Chrysler. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Merry love... Crisis is the theme of the season. We love a dead a dead app. A dead app. <laughs> we love Vine. Vine is the fucking best. All right, we started recording and I still have a fucking light on and it's just bothering me. So can oh, you just Oh no, we have a light on. Can you believe? We are not what is that, the Motel Six? We'll leave a light on for you. No, we we motherfucking won't over here at the Haunted Heart Podcast. We <laughs> no, are we about won't. The darkness, um, because the darkness covers all of our insecurities. However, it doesn't cover our technical insecurities. <laughs> it doesn't. It sure so, the fuck doesn't. No matter uh, how dark of a place we sit in, either uh, on this plane or the other, or uh, mentally. You're getting it all raw and real here, folks. That's true. I wish there was an equivalent of like, you know how everybody looks better in dim lighting? Like, <laughs> I wish there was an equivalent of like dim sound, you know? Like, I wish there was a way you could just kind of <laughs> dim out the edges a little bit and just kind of make it a little little more attractive. I, but I think that's just called shitty not. podcasting. It's true. <laughs> Oh, gosh. But welcome back to the Haunted Heart, folks. Uh, we're doing this thing uh, where we introduce ourselves. Uh, for those who might not know anything about us, my name is... Uh, I'm Katie. <laughs> Plot twist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm oh. Kenny. Yeah. I mean, exactly the way you would imagine that that would go. And that would Pretty be much. just fine. It would it's be. Because it's 2019. 2019. Getting ready to go into these... Uh, 2020s yeah about to get that 2020 vision hey <laughs> <laughs> oh, or the oh, roaring 20s preceding a fucking global financial crisis listen all i'm trying to do <laughs> is just hit up a roaring 20s great gats yeah the themed new year's eve party I'm into it. that's all i'm trying to I'm do into it. i have to order one of those like dresses from that cheap ass website though because i'm running out of time <laughs> you know what i mean the ones that pop up in the middle uh-huh. of like your facebook feed for the oh, ads yeah you know it'll pop up now that you mentioned it actually it probably will i mean it's been popping up for me though because i keep clicking on it <laughs> uh i they, they look great but i'm i bet you when i order it it'll fit my right thigh <laughs> uh but at least it fits your personality yeah, hey you know my thigh will look fabulous <laughs> your one sequin thigh Absolutely. put a headband on put my strap my dress to my thigh and i'm ready to party she's here <laughs> to have a good time folks. just the leg that's all you need yeah. instead of just the tip it's, it's just the leg folks just the leg it's fine it's fine. <laughs> and speaking of legs, we have uh, some invocations. That was weird. <laughs> that was. And speaking, speaking of legs, we know some folks who that may have or may not them. have some. Or maybe they who don't. Knows? Whatever. Yeah. You're cool uh, either way. Speaking of legs, we have uh, we have three Patreon people to invoke. We do. We do. Otherwise known as patrons. You know. Oh, that's true. You see. Do you even have your strike pad over there? No, I don't. <laughs> you took it away from me, actually, and you Fail. put it over onto Hang the on. nightstand uh, five feet away from me, actually. Thank you Amazing. for that. Amazing. I'm yeah. so glad to have my this, shit The back. theme of this episode is atmospheric sound, because I keep turning away from my mic to go grab some. <laughs> They're really like, cool huh, effect. Sounds like a theme for this podcast. Yeah. Also, I'm drinking a, a mug of tea, because it's winter, and I don't want to live anymore, so get get on it. Well, you didn't fix me any tea. I didn't, but 
Okay. Well, that's fine. <laughs> Sorry about it. It's fine. I guess you got to bring your own tea, sis. This is your episode. <laughs> it so is. So I, I was thinking that you'd be serving me tea, actually. Quite yeah. rude of me to show up with my own. Yes. And speaking of tea, let's get over to these Patreon invocations because they get the hottest steaming tea and all that exclusive content. Mm-hmm. Burn your mouth type of tea. Burn your mouth tea. Hit me up <laughs> on Snapchat careful. tea. <laughs> We're not on Snapchat. We are, actually. Oh, we are? Yeah, we are on Snapchat. Oh. I just It just doesn't do much because I think... I don't know. I don't think anybody else is really on Snapchat at this point except for thoughts. Like, I mean, t- correct me if I'm wrong. Do people Snapchat? I think it's a thing. I think it's is a it younger a generational thing. I don't know. I just feel like we're more of a Discord bunch. I still don't know what that is, but I've been okay. kicking that idea around. If you're interested in a Discord server, send me an email at thehauntedheartpodcast.gmail.com. Anywho, tonight we will be invoking three lucky souls who have joined our heathen band. The first of which is Jessica V of Velavision Photo. And I just want to take a second here. This is not part of her invocation, but uh, Jessica is a very accomplished photographer and she runs the uh, photography business, Velavision Photo. Um, so definitely check her out. It's V E L I S I O N. I think that's how you spell Vision. Anyway, um, I'm spelling it off the top of my head, but Google something like that and you will find her photography business. Check her out, especially if you're on the West Coast because she's a West Coaster. She did not ask me to plug her, but I'm going to do it because I enjoy it. You like to plug things. I like to plug. She the plug. Her. I'm just plugging along over here. But anywho, Jessica, welcome to our Stay Spooky Squad. And next, we are going to invoke David C., who is a member of our Haunted Heart Harem. Ooh, we love a harem member. Speaking of, we actually have a second harem member that will be joining our rank this evening and her name is Bobby Joe B. And your candles are lit. They will burn beside our mic stands not only through the end of the episode but forever and always in our dark, dark hearts. We send you health, wealth, happiness, full of good intentions through the end of 2019 and into 2020. And we hope that your dresses that you order from Creepy Wish Shops fit you. <laughs> More than just your right thigh. Oh, creepy Wish Shops. <laughs> Love it. So what in the fuck are we talking about today? Um, well, I, just... I don't know. I, I mean, I heard, I know, I, well, I know that you're covering a case. Yes. And I have to be honest, I'm a little jealous because I'm itching to cover some murder. Oh, but are you? I am. Well. It's like a, it's like a chronic thing, like a bug, uh-huh. you know? There's, oh, like an itch or a rash? Yeah, like an itching, kind of burning sensation. 
Uh huh. Surrounding all things murder, you know, I've been itching. I've been itching to to get into it, but I've also kind of been feeling a cult. So I'm not sure. That's a mood, right? Which way we wanna? I mean, I know we have like we have stuff planned for you guys for December, but like looking towards January, we're kind of in the planning stages, and I'm like, mm, do we want to get into some culty things? Do we want to get into? I mean, we definitely want to get into murder all the time. <laughs> uh, Only about on it. a podcast like this would you <laughs> hear that. Do we want to get into murder? Do we want to do? I mean, it's kind of like when you're trying to decide what to order from Grubhub and you're like, or like do trying I want to do Indian, maybe Thai? Or trying to figure out which black shirt you would like to wear. Yes. <laughs> yes. That is it. Or for me, uh, which black horror slash Halloween t-shirt in my closet I would like to wear on any given day. It's uh, really a struggle. Honestly, mm-hmm. there's so many it's different true. beautiful styles. It's true. Um, so I know that you're going to tempt me. With your with your case that you I have am. tonight, I am. So last year we did uh, we did some Christmas murders last year. Uh, we covered them. <laughs> Meaning, <laughs> yes, we covered some Christmas murders. Important, important verb choice. Important. <laughs> uh, speak for yourself. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Ah, uh, God, that was good. Anyway, uh, yes, so we did. We covered some Christmas murders last year, and we figured, well, there are plenty more to go around. <laughs> so the thing about the holidays um, is that there's no shortage of stressed out people that just fucking snap. snap. Or more likely, when you start looking at the uh, at the cases, narcissistic assholes who just snap. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, so I saw this case, thought it would be really interesting. Um, And I was actually in the process of uh, writing this when I actually stumbled across an article. Um, And I just really loved this article. uh, And I thought that it was... um, I just liked the way that they had it uh, laid out. Um, And so I... Uh, not for, you know, just being lazy, but I will be referencing, um, this article was, which is actually an excerpt from, um, the story, um, for, from this book called Hollywood Obscura, Death, Murder, and the Paranormal Aftermath. Mm. And it is written by Brian Clune. Um, yes, we love so, a queen who cites her sources. Yes, yes, we are citing sources today. Uh, <laughs> today. <laughs> today. No. Uh, so I'm just going to kind of um, go through the case through uh, through this lens. Um, and then I figured we could discuss it after. Okay. Um, so are you ready? I'm ready. All right. It's ready. Let's begin. So family is about love, caring, and nurturing. You marry because of the love you feel for your wife or husband. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I'm sorry. You're laying laying the groundwork and I'm over here. Laying this groundwork. I'm over here fucking it up. I continue. Or money. Sometimes people marry for money. Sometimes money. You know? Sometimes convenience. Sometimes Sometimes it's arranged. Yeah. Sometimes it's arranged and doesn't work out. Sometimes it's arranged and works beautifully. You never know. Honestly, probably the route that I should go. <laughs> Just have it arranged. Yeah. 
Um, so when you have children, that love is spread to them, and your life is now devoted to the raising and nurturing of those children. In turn, the lessons you teach them will be handed down to the next generation, and so on down the line. But what happens when the lessons learned are those of murder and madness? When the last thing the children remember of their parents is of death and betrayal. What have you handed down when your kids see their mother dead and their father covered in her blood and coming for them? These and other questions still remain unanswered in one of the most bizarre cases in Los Angeles history, as well as the strange aftermath that still haunts Los Feliz today. So... Groundwork. Laid it. Love it. Love it. Who did you say the author was for uh, the article? Not me. Uh, not me. Not me. No. Well, thank Bri- you. <laughs> Unnamed source. Brian. No, Brian Clune. Thank you, Brian Clune, for that beautiful intro. Yes. If you're interested in being an unpaid assistant, I don't know if you would be, but you can send us an email at thehauntedheartpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. He's like, I will send that email. (laughs) I'll send a cease and desist email. (laughs) So let me, uh, so let's just jump right on in. Okay. So Dr. Harold Perelson was a prominent surgeon specializing in cardiothoracics. Okay. Okay. Um, can you tell me what part of the body thoracic applies to? Oh, that's a well. I know what the Jurassic Thoracic. Thora- part? Oh, Thoracic. No, <laughs> Thoracic the Thoracic part. was a period, though, right? In the Thoracic, the Thoracic period? period, Jurassic. I don't know. I think I think <laughs> it's one of those things that sounds like it might be okay, but I think it's actually not. I know that the Jurassic period was a thing. Yeah, maybe there was also a Thoracic period. I think there was, but maybe. There was a throw that ass period. I know that. <laughs> oh, we still no. working through the tail end of that. But um, no. Um, so the thoracic is. Uh, let's see. No, your lumbar is your lower thoracic, higher. So it's your upper heart. Yeah, it's the part of your body where your heart lives, like your ch- your oh, heart cavity, like okay. your thoracic vertebra, or the like. What we would think of as like our upper torso, so where your heart lives. In layman's terms, you would say your chest. Yeah, yeah, your chest. Your chest. Yeah, it makes sense if he's like a heart doctor. Yeah, so he was into that. We um, just throw in the rest of the chest just to make sure. Uh, and and also allergies. Allergies. Yeah, allergies. That's weird. That's yeah. weird. You think you wouldn't think that like a heart doctor, heart surgeon, or heart heart doctor? surgeon. A he heart, was a surgeon, a surgeon of the heart. He's like, yeah, so I rip people's, like, thoracic, like, chest cavities open, and I work on their heart, but I also dabble in treating people with fucking Zyrtec. Like, what? (laughs) That's weird. (laughs) There was a period in my life where they thought, before I had this, like, crazy experimental science, uh, sinus surgery, they thought I was going to have to take Zyrtec every day for the rest of my life. Oh, I had, wow. I was sick all the time as a fucking kid. It's crazy. I'm so glad you, you grew out of that. Yeah. I, I'm not allergic yeah. to anything, so I feel for anyone who is, because especially food. Yeah. Because I love it so much. 
I can't think of anything I'm allergic to. They used to think I was allergic to Tylenol, but it was just because my dad made me eat this piece of pizza that had onions on it, and I didn't like the texture. But he did that right after I took a Tylenol, so then I threw up, and they were like, clearly she's allergic to Tylenol, but I just didn't like onion on my pizza. I still don't to this day. Oh, interesting. Yeah, fun times. But no, those allergy tests, have you seen those things? They're fucking insane. Mm. It's like a six-inch square on, like, every side of, like, needle like pricks like it's crazy wow no i mm-mm. not i haven't heard anything about it i would have thought that you would have just had a whole buffet of things to just eat just eat all the things and we'll figure out what's the problem <laughs> well then. here's the cranberry you try that eat that here's a walnut here's a whole fucking niqua salad for you try is it that. pronounced niqua i thought Nikois. it was niswa niswa i could be completely <laughs> fucking wrong because i have no background in French at all. I think it's Niqua. Niqua? I Nisla? don't know. Email us at the Haunted Heart Podcast at <laughs> gmail.com and please tell us how we say this word because if you have the knowledge, because we don't have the knowledge, um, please let us know. This is actually, I'm, I'm being fucking serious. I want to fucking email on this. Please help me. Okay. <laughs> because I feel like we out here looking dumb. But yes, no, we it's, are. And sounding it too. It's crazy. They just shoot, the allergy doctors just shoot you up with like, a hundred like different things to to test basically they just inject you with it and then you come back like a week later or i'm not really sure how 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 long after but you come in for the follow-up and basically they just like look and see which bumps flared up and they're like yep you're allergic to spinach oh wow fuck okay i mean they they have stuff that like isn't even a problem like I don't even need to really know if I'm allergic to ragweed i'll just avoid it you know <laughs> ragweed damn so anyway, uh, he had gained a successful and profitable patent for a new type of syringe. Uh, he had written one of the most respected clinical reports uh, of the time um, called, uh, maybe you've heard of it, uh, a little read called uh, The Electrocardiogram in Familial Periodic Paralysis. Oh, yeah, I know that one. Uh-huh. Yeah, girl, I know that one. It's uh-huh. classic. Yeah, classic that's text. a bedtime story for you. It, you want to read something that's going to put you to sleep. That's it. Um, maybe you'll read that for the Patreon folks. Oh my god, no! <laughs> <laughs> Patreon's like, please don't. But do it in like a sexy, smutty way. Oh, that could be like the new sp- spooky maybe. smut episode. Maybe it's just me reading um, old like doctor's texts from the fifties. Yeah, Into could be it. a thing. I'm sure there's Into a niche it. for it. Uh, so he wrote that and was featured in the American Heart Journal in June 1949 and was a well-respected keynote speaker in medical conferences all around the country. Perelson was an assistant head of cardiology for the School of Medicine at USC and was on the surgical teams of cardiology at Los Angeles County General, Cedars of Lebanon Hospital, and the Santa Fe Hospital of Los Angeles. Dr. Perelson's life, by all accounts, was a storybook life of wealth, fame, and unmitigated success. So why then would Perelson decide to kill his family and himself? I don't know. Would it have anything to do with the fact that he is an unchecked, raging egomaniac who potentially has low-key destroyed his life entirely and is unable to face the uh, absolute cognitive dissonance that would be caused by coming clean to his family and the community around him. So he just decided to end his family li- family's lives, uh, followed by his own, so that he never actually has to face the consequences of his action, thereby cutting them short in their prime. 
Maybe. It's a start. <laughs> this and more too much investigation. on the Haunted Heart Podcast. I've seen too much investigation discovery. I just... We've been doing this we too have, long. We have the blueprints. <laughs> we do. Or as Nicki Minaj would say, we have the pink print. We do. Uh, yes. So I guess we'll find out, right? So on the night <laughs> I of... Guess, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> I mean, it is kind of crazy, though, how, you know, because a lot of our listeners consume a lot of true crime content, so it's kind of crazy to me how um, these heinous crimes happen that are just so out there, and we hear about it, and we already kind of have a working hypothesis, right? We already have a working blueprint where we're like, we hear this guy murdered his whole family and murdered himself, and we're like, okay, we know that story, you yeah. know? Yeah. Like, we know that archetype We know how this almost. goes. <laughs> yeah, we, we know family annihilators, and it's crazy uh, how these heinous crimes that make no sense can be grouped into those groups, and it's, I mean, it's true, but I don't know if it's true in this case, because I'm not very familiar with this case, but like, there are similar traits between these people, and it's just kind of crazy how, you know, you consume enough true crime, and you're like, yeah, totally, you know, totally. That's because the world dude. is a dark, twisted piece of shit place, and we're just here doing a podcast. We're it. just here trying to light as many candles as we can. That's how about true. That? That's true. That's very beautiful. How about that? That's beautiful. You're welcome. So, on the night of December sixth, nineteen fifty nine, Harold Perelson came home from work greeted his wife and kids, fixed himself a drink, and casually watched his wife wrap Christmas presents while she waited for dinner uh, to be ready. Even though they were Jewish, the Perelsons had begun celebrating the holiday with their friends and co-workers and enjoyed the sense of community it imparted on their family. I love that. I light the menorah every year. Mm -hmm. Never been Jewish a day in my life. <laughs> I just like candles. <laughs> just Genuinely. Like candles. I just like lighting candles, man. I just man. like them. It's something something about lighting the menorah is like, I don't know, it feels very ritually. It's very like Coptic Judaism. Juda Judaism, we'll do an episode on Judaism oh. one day. Okay. On like the root, like, no, there's like mystical Judaism, which is really fucking cool. It's like super, super ritual based and super like magic feeling. It's It's very interesting. Okay, cool. We Jews are that. cool. We like Jews. We, we stand Jews. <laughs> we stand Jews. I mean, we stand all. <laughs> okay. But we, we like the Jews. So, um, so his wife, Lillian, was a wonderful mother and homemaker and called the family together for dinner at the table where they sat eating and talking about their week at work and school. Their 18-year-old daughter, Judy, talked about her friends and the boys she liked. The whole scene was right out of a Rockwell painting. After dinner, the family stayed up to watch a bit of television, and then Lillian and Harold tucked their 11-year-old daughter, Debbie, and 13-year-old son, Joseph, into bed. Judy went to her room to work on some homework, while her mother went to the master bedroom to read. As one did in the 50s, you know. Retire to the bedroom to read. No, certainly. We, we certainly aren't doing anything else in bedrooms in the 50s. We're, We're just, just reading. reading. <laughs> We're reading. We're not even looking at each other. We're not even holding hands. Okay, we're reading separately on separate sides of the room in our own personal space. And we're leaving room for Jesus <laughs> while we're there. Yes, we are. Leaving room for Jesus. <laughs> that, one, that one got you. Yeah, it did. Yeah. yeah, it did. Okay. So she went to go read. <laughs> and Harold remained downstairs until he knew his wife was asleep and then went upstairs to read his copy of Dante's Divine Comedy. Huh. 
Sounds like a uh, sounds like functioning marriage. Let <laughs> <laughs> me wait till she goes to sleep. I'm just gonna wait. Just gonna wait it out. That that doesn't fly with me because you then do I'm that. Go up. Let me tell you what you do that you do that one and a half nights, and I'm coming downstairs on that ass, and no. I'm gonna be like, "Why don't you love me anymore?" No, Stan, I, Harold. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, I'm just whoever. Stan, Harold. Why don't you love me anymore, David? Like <laughs> just. <laughs> And I mean, like, full out, like, we're there, we're level 10, we're already, it's not like a, we're discussing why you're deciding to stay downstairs, I've already decided why you're staying downstairs, it's because you don't love me and you're leaving me and the kids, and like, (laughs) here we go. Yeah. We don't even have any kids, like. (laughs) (laughs) Are you leaving me and the kids? (laughs) Steve. What kids, you crazy bitch? It's just me, like down, come walking down the stairs, smoking. I thought you were gonna be the one to stay, Rob. <laughs> Ooh, snapshots of my life. <laughs> turns out Rob is just me, and I'm like, Katie, you're fucking crazy. We're not together, <laughs> Katie. Please, and I can't leave you anyway. Fuck. Get up. Backstairs. Backstairs. Get up backstairs. <laughs> the hell? You clearly you've been you've been drinking while you've been downstairs. I've had too much eggnog. Get up backstairs. <laughs> I feel that. I've had I've had so much eggnog that I am and I don't even drink alcoholic eggnog, but I am so bloated. I think there's probably like like an inch of like fat around my midsection that is just fucking eggnog. Like uh, it is bad. I am struggling. Well, maybe we can milk you and get it out. Ooh, ooh, that's not good. Anyway, that's not good. That's why we get. That's why we get nasty comments emailed to us. That's true. That is <laughs> true. Uh, how's your foot, friend? By the way. Anyway, um. I hope he's still fucking listening. <laughs> Anyway, let me get back to this, please. So he was reading his copy of Dante's Divine Comedy until he fell asleep. Until he himself fell asleep. Right (laughs) after. Wait, until he fell asleep. It's good. Shut up. Sorry, I usually don't call it out, and I know I fucking. I mean, I fuck up all the time, but that was just a good. (laughs) Until he fell asleep. It sounds so peaceful. <laughs> I think we really should say it that way. <laughs> Shut up. This isn't funny. <laughs> anyway, until he himself fell asleep right after marking a passage he found personally compelling. So, sometime around 5 a.m., Dr. Perelson awoke, placed the book he had been reading on the nightstand, and went down to the kitchen where he kept a small tool chest. He retrieved a ball-peen hammer and casually walked back to his bedroom where he approached the bed where his wife was sleeping soundly. He stood gazing down at her for a minute and then raised the hammer. And in one swift motion, he brought the hammer crashing down on Lillian's head and then again and again until it was a bloody mess. Mm. Perelson then left the room and walked into his daughter Judy's bedroom and began to attack her with the hammer. Judy had already been awakened by the sound of her mother being murdered and this most likely saved her life. As the hammer came down toward her skull, she just managed to get her arm up, which softened the initial blow. 
The weapon still connected with her head, however, and the force of the hit disoriented her as she tried to get up and away from her rampaging father. As Judy saw the first swing of the hammer, she had let out a blood-curdling scream. This not only awoke the neighbors nearby, but her sleeping siblings as well. Perelson heard his youngest daughter emerging from her bedroom and, thinking his oldest was incapacitated, casually left Judy's room to see to his youngest child. Perelson walked Debbie back to her room and told her, go back to bed, this is just a nightmare. He then proceeded back to Judy's bedroom. Mm. While Dr. Perelson had been busy with his other daughter, Judy had regained some of her senses and had fled the house. Yes. Good girl. Yes. She made her way to the neighbors who, already awakened from her screams, quickly came to the door. The neighbor, seeing the blood streaming from the young girl's head, immediately notified the police who called for an ambulance and sent patrol cars to the scene. Meanwhile, Debbie, who had not believed her father that she had been dreaming, gathered up her brother and they too fled from the house before Perelson could use the ball-peen hammer on them as well. Fuck yeah, they fled Fuck. from the house. Yes. Smart girl. Yes. Two smart girls in this story. Mm-hmm. We love it. Got we her stand little brother a smart girl. And got out of that house. I mean, because if you imagine, if you've... Crimes like this are very messy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she comes down the hallway wondering what's going on, and he, like, dips out from her sister's room holding a ball, ball-peen hammer covered in blood, blood spatter all over him. He probably looks scary as fuck. Oh, and he's yeah. like, oh, it's totally, you're just having a bad dream. It's just, just a dream. Just go back to bed, um, sweetie. Like, are you fucking kid? Sure, sure thing, I'll go back to bed. And then I'll go right the fuck out of this house. <laughs> because no. Yeah, it's really, um, it's really, especially, uh, you know, touching to me that she, also made sure to get her brother out of Got the situation, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I think a lot of the times when you have siblings, um, or, I mean, just even, like, being that young as well, like, it How can be, like, um, uh, I'm not sure off the top of my head. But she was the younger um, but daughter. But she was the younger daughter. Got but it. it's still, you know, in those instances, like, let me get the fuck out, right? Yeah. So I just, well, you I go into that, panic. You go into fight or flight. Right. And a lot of that is not necessarily, I mean, because there are stories where victims don't, they're not able, they, they go into fight or flight and they leave the situation and they, you know, and, and to be honest, I don't know what the situation was with their, like, living arrangement or whatever, where her brother was sleeping or where he actually was, but... There are situations where it is better to just get yourself yeah, out, totally. go get help, totally. and then bring help back to oh, resolve yeah. the situation. But um, I just think that it was, you know, very brave sweet. of, you know, um, the younger absolutely to yeah. make sure that, you know, she also got her brother out as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, so, you know, just well done there, like getting out of that situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. So the doctor, knowing full well that the police must be on the way to his house, went back upstairs, got a bottle of pills from the medicine cabinet, sat down on the bed, and took all of the pills in a single gulp. Oh, no, no, no. Fuck you. No, Uh I want to see yourself, you do yourself in with the fucking ball-peen hammer. Uh No pills for you. No pills for your wife. Nope. Fuck you. Nope. So... Most of the reports from around the internet claim that he drank of gla- a glass of acid to kill himself, but um, I don't think there's really any truth to that. 
I think it was just something that was used to sort of make the story sound more bizarre. Yeah, like an urban legend. Yeah, like, I mean, you know how those things that. happen. Like, it sort of takes on a life of its own and grows. Yeah. No, um, he just swallowed an entire fucking bottle of Motrin like a pussy. Right, right. So when the police arrived at the house, uh, they first went to speak with the neighbors and the children to make sure they were okay. Judy was immediately sent by ambulance to the hospital with a fracture to the skull and severe bruising. Um, Judy would survive with no lingering physical injuries, um, thankfully. As the officers approached the door, another neighbor informed them that he had been knocking but had gotten no response from anyone inside. They carefully entered the home and called out to Perelson but were met with silence. They went upstairs and found Harold Perelson lying on the floor in his bedroom, the ball-peen hammer in his hand and an empty pill bottle next to him. His wife Lillian was in the bed, her head fractured so badly that she was unrecognizable. Blood was splattered all over the wall, behind her, and the bed linens were soaked with her blood. On the nightstand next to Harold's side of the bed, the book by Dante that he had been reading was still open to Canto One. It read, Midway upon the journey of our life, I found myself within a forest dark, for the straightforward pathway had been lost. The investigation into the events of that morning were pretty straightforward. It was obvious by the scene of the crime and the statements of the children and neighbors that Dr. Perelson had murdered his wife, attempted to murder his oldest daughter, and had then killed himself by overdose. What wasn't clear, however, was why. All of the neighbors said the same thing. The Perelsons were a loving family and showed no outward signs of strife. When the police made a routine search of Judy's car, they found uh, a letter she had written to her aunt that said, We are on the merry-go-round again. Same problems, same worries, only tenfold. My parents are in a bind financially. The letter then went on to say how she would be looking for a job to be able to help the family through this crisis. It is believed by some that the Perelson, that the Perelson um, had finally snapped under the pressures of his finances and had decided that the death of his family was preferable to living with worry and in poverty. It is conceivable that if his attempt to kill Judy had been successful, he would have then attempted to kill his younger children. We will never know what had been going through his mind that faithful morning, but as tragic as the death of his wife and his suicide were, it could have been worse. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those kids could have been totally brutalized. Yeah. After the fur had died down and the press no longer deemed the events of that night newsworthy... (laughs) as they typically do. The mansion was sold at auction, with the proceeds going to settle the estate's debts and the remainder going to the children. The couple who purchased the home... Here's where it starts to get a little weird, by the way. Hmm. So the couple who purchased the home, Julian and Emily Enriquez, only visited the home on rare occasions and used it for storing items that they didn't want in their home. In effect, they bought the mansion to be used as a storage shed of sorts. That's weird. Yeah. Why would you buy a mansion for a storage shed? Yes. So over the years, they would visit the house to either bring something new into the storage site or to remove an item. They were never overly friendly with the neighbors, nor were they rude or unwelcoming. They were just there. Right. When Julian and Emily died in 1994... Ownership of the mansion passed to their son, Rudy. Most of the neighbors expected the house to finally be renovated and either sold to a new family or rented out, or they figured Rudy would move in himself. Unfortunately, none of those things happened. Rudy continued to use the house as storage. 
The neighbors complained to the city that the home was being used as a squatter's hangout. Other times they told how prostitutes would come in and use sex workers is what we say. We say sex sex workers. Sex workers um, would come in and use the home for, quote, entertaining their tricks. This sounds like they're going to be juggling. You know what I mean? Like, that sounds vaudevillian. Like, they're going to be juggling and singing, a little burlesque. Yeah. So, obviously, um, anytime something tragic happens in a place like this, the ghost hunters start coming and... Ah, the ghost hunters. (laughs) A proud and noble bunch. Yeah. Sporting their barbed wire, upper bicep tattoos... Yeah. Belted jeans and rock band t-shirts. Oh, yeah. Backwards caps. What a mess. (laughs) What a a bunch. (laughs) What a clan, honestly. So um, many people throughout the years, uh, you know, they get a hold of this uh, and they claim to have seen uh, orbs inside... uh, shadows moving about you know ghostly faces which some believe to be Lillian um you know you never know I mean obviously such a traumatic incident like that can leave negative energy um what is weird though and according to legend about this place as we mentioned that you know this has been through two owners at this point right supposedly they never like moved anything in the house mm-hmm. so it set the same as it was on that december 6th night so they did, was all the furniture there so was all the of the furniture, original furniture, furniture like was sold there. at auction or no, something it wasn't closed was out still with there. the estate Mm-mm. and it was so all still when there. you looked that, no that's fucked up you need to you need to clear it out so when that's not good that's not good that's not good hygiene that's no. not good spiritual <laughs> not. hygiene we need to go ahead and get all that out we need to we need to do a lot of sage burning. Mm-hmm. We need to do a lot. So, um, but what gets even weirder is that, or even more more um, unnerving is that um, supposedly you could still see the wrapping paper that Lillian, like all of that was still there. Yeah. The Christmas paper was still there. Supposedly the tree was still up. Yeah. Um, I've heard that. So that's this is the this is the portion of that case that I'm familiar with mm-hmm. because I've heard um from people on the West Coast, um, I've heard that legend that supposedly the wrapping paper is still there or the presents are still there mm-hmm. and like the tree is still up. And I don't know, I don't I I've never really been able to verify that. I think there were some photos. There are online, photos. The only photos But I couldn't really make it out. Well the I'm on- also really bad at that. <laughs> The only photos that I could find, um, actually, I didn't see a Christmas tree or Christmas decorations. It's just stuffed, stacked. Well, to the, but I did like, see Christmas. The there was ceiling. wrapping paper. Oh, really? Yeah. So, like, you can look at one of the pictures because um, a photographer actually came in um, and, like, took pictures. And you can find them online of this house. Um, and it kind of just looks like a hoarder's, like... right. Because, I mean, these people that bought it really just used it for storage. Which is fucking Which is weird. weird. What do those people do? That's what I'm trying to figure out. What are those people out? doing? Um, but in one of those pictures, you can still see, like, bows and, like, and wrapping paper on, like, a 1950s couch. That's weird. Um, 
We do not, Stan. We do not. We do not like that. We do not endorse that. No, but that. then, even then, like, his, even their son, like, just still used it as to, who buys a fucking mansion? They must have got on a steal, like. I mean, well, you know, murder house discount. <laughs> I mean, you know? shit. It's great. Um, Better than Black Friday. I think since then, uh, and it's a beautiful home. It's like a 1950s style Spanish revival, so it's got that like okay architecture major. Yes, Spanish (laughs) revival. Spanish revival, yeah. So it's you know got the white. What do you call it? The stucco, and it's got the um, uh, that red brick shit on top of the house. That's good. It was really you. I was about to tell you that you've never been gayer, and then we got to red brick shit, and I was like, "Nope, there he is." Um, nope, there it is. Uh, so it's. I mean, it's a beautiful home. Um, and I think since then it has actually been renovated and on the market. So uh, there's that. I think it's finally been gutted, is what I'm saying. Oh, has it been sold? I'm not sure if it's been sold yet or not. Um, huh. I think it's just back. You should on the look market. into that. I mean, I hear the weather in California is fab. Um, no. Just stay away from Dante. <laughs> you know? No. Um, so Cliff yeah, that's kind it, of like the, I did in high school. Yeah. So that's kind of the story of the Los Feliz murder mansion and it's kind of a little bit of the lore or lore that happens after that. I don't think that, um, everything was sort of like left perfectly in place. I don't think that that would be practical, especially if you had people coming in, moving their shit into it and things right. get disturbed over the years. But like I said, I have personally seen the pictures that, you know, there's wrapping paper there. So I think probably that there's, you know, and with most cases, there's a sliver of truth that gets mm-hmm. blown out. For or effect. maybe that was there when they bought the house and it was photographed at that point. And maybe, you know, after they bought it, they cleaned some of the stuff out. Well, I don't the know. Photos happened years after the couple, like after it had been bought. Oh, it's not, it's not good. I don't like that. That's suspicious. I, that's really, really highly sus yeah. for me, for the people who bought it. I mean, I'm not trying to character assassinate anybody, but like, <laughs> it's weird. It's weird to me that you wouldn't clear it out. It's weird to me that you wouldn't, I mean, have a fucking garage sale. People love that shit. For real. They'll buy all kinds of haunted shit in yeah, garage for real. sales. Um, no, but that's but, not, that's that's weird. That's weird. And the thing about the orbs, too, because I know that there is speculation over, like, you know, the more spiritually aware people who engage in that sort of thing um, will say that there are, like, photos where you can clearly see orbs, but then the skeptics say, oh, well, that's just dust, which is the typical response to orbs. But then, you know, the question becomes, like, Okay, in a house that nobody lives in, that just has a bunch of shit in it, what would have moved to stir up dust to cause dust that looks like orbs? Yeah. You know, it becomes like this weird thing. And like you said, there's a lore that kind of grows out of it. Yeah. So according to um, uh, Google, (laughs) so the house, this is sort of like a little bit more of like um, what happened after that was the house eventually... uh, um, went on market in 2016. Uh, it was listed as a fixer-upper. I feel like I remember when that house <laughs> went on the market, though. I feel like I remember when that happened. Anytime something, anytime something's listed as a fixer-upper. <laughs> you know, Listen it's a good bargain. Podcast. It's, good. it's a fixer-upper. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, it was between that and Trash Talent for our... Yeah. For our um, actually, it's a fixer-upper would probably make great merch. It really would be. 
and it sold later that year to a couple who had plans to remodel and eventually move into the residence. Oh, good. Um, good. But <laughs> house is up for sale again. This time for a nice hefty price tag of $3.5 million. And they've like renovated it and stuff. No, Maybe their actually, plan was to flip nope, it. Nope. No? <laughs> nope. Uh, building and safety records show the current owners applied for renovation permits and work uh, does appear to have been done on the place. Listing photos show the home's interior spaces have been taken down to the studs and much of the flooring has been stripped. However, the house is far from move-in ready. And uh, it's So they just ripped all the shit out of it. Yeah. yeah. But didn't follow through with renovating yeah. it. But they don't. They don't know why. Well, like, it's why much less just, scary. Yeah. Why did they just halfway do it and then just said, "Fuck it, we're out. We're not going to finish oh, this. Okay, and All peace right. out." So mm. I mean, is there mm. scary? Is there something you know to these orbs and like? Who knows? I don't know. See, I'm of two minds. The one mind, which is the more fun mind, is like, hmm, it sat exactly the same for decades and decades and got all spooky and has all this negative energy. And then this couple buys it and gets halfway through a renovation. And then it's ooky spooky. And somehow it's scarier imagining it sitting like stripped down to the studs with Mm -hmm. all the flooring ripped out. Like somehow that is scarier. Yeah. Um. But then my other mind is like, maybe they just got a divorce. <laughs> like, you know? Or maybe. Nope, not going to go there. Maybe they maybe they just, um, you maybe know, young couple. They maybe murdered each other with a ball-peen hammer. Anyway. I feel like we would have heard something, honestly. <laughs> maybe. But that's it. That's my story on the Los Feliz murder mansion. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yes. Thank you. And how, I mean, have there, has there been any... Um, I don't, I don't want to put you on the spot, but has there been any um, updates on like how the kids are doing? Did they kind of just drop out of, out of the like media? I, I would um, imagine after that you would probably. Yeah, I think they kind of kept it low key. I mean, you don't want to be known. No. For that, mm, per se. No. But I'm sure they had a lot to. Especially the girls, because they had no, direct they interaction um, with it. Yeah, so, uh, no, they kind of just uh, went, you know, underground. I don't yeah. want to say underground, but, like, they kind of just went, they just kind of, like, avoided, avoided it. Yeah. So they w- weren't actually mentioned in any media, like, after <sighs> the after yeah. the events. Which, I mean, is completely, you know, good. they're right to, yeah. to want to avoid that. So Yeah, no, I mean, it's probably better for them, because at the time they were minors, you know, it's probably better for them that... That the media did back off. Because um, so often they don't. Yep, <laughs> and it ends up becoming true. a huge problem. Damn. So, but just imagining again. that, like, your parent who is just, like, totally just deranged must have been so scary. Oh, yeah. They, I mean, definitely. Yeah. It's such a, um, you know, it's such a... Uh, like in horror, it's such a trope that you see. You know, obviously, if you think back to like, you know, The Shining, whatever, Amityville, like you get this like axe wielding father. Yeah. You know? Um, but it's and it's easy to put that into like a horror movie trope and think yeah. nothing of it. But that shit is real and it happens, yeah. and it's fucking terrifying. And again, we end up with this same like, what is this formula? Okay why did he do this 
here we go with finances again. You know what I mean? And right. I just don't understand, like, honey, go to a financial planner. Like, <laughs> listen, what is, like, you know what? Bankruptcy, not, so, bankruptcy, murder. Bankruptcy, murdering your whole family. <laughs> I mean, let's just weigh our options here. I mean, yeah. it's hard to believe because, you I know, mean, if but you if you live someone... in a mansion, the thing is that, and that's why I kind of, like, get into this whole ego thing, because I don't think it's a money problem. I think it's an ego problem because if you live in a fucking mansion, sell your mansion, buy a tiny house, like live. And I don't mean like a tiny house, trademark tiny house. I mean like a small (laughs) house, rent an apartment if you have to, like cut expenses where you can. Maybe your wife needs to get a job. Maybe like you need to. Well, like they said, even Judy was considering getting a job to help out. Like that's fine. She's 18 years old. It doesn't doesn't... sound like we've exhausted any options on the road to bankruptcy. But I mean, also at the same time, like you are this like renowned surgeon. And I just feel like that there were so many doors that you could have chosen. Like it's not like. And not to give an excuse to anyone who does this just because one person's a surgeon, one person might not be, but like certain people have more doors and more options. I mean, obviously murder is never an option, but it's just, it's just harder for me to I think I think that what you're trying to say is that he had such privilege because of his social standing because of his chosen occupation. And so somebody else who maybe was dealing with those issues, maybe has a limited scope of options compared to all of the options that are available to him. Right. With his level of privilege at the time that he lived, which is, which is true. I mean, it's a very, very valid point, but you know, I just don't like, I just don't understand why someone goes like, Murder is not an option. Like, yeah. just don't. Just, just don't, don't murder. Don't murder people. Don't do it. It's not cool. If you take nothing else away, don't you murder. take nothing else away from this show. Don't murder. Yeah. Don't. Just don't. Or else we'll talk about you. Actually, yeah. we won't. If you murder to get on the show, we won't talk about no. you. We have a standing fucking you. role. We don't know her. We don't know you. We're not going to ever utter your name, so don't. Yeah. I'm looking at you, toe sucker guy. Not fetish shaming, just saying. It, it took <laughs> a lot concerned. of it took a lot of nads to send that fucking email. Yes, anyway. it did. Yes, it did. Anywho, if you have no idea what we're talking about with our running uh, joke of the toe sucker email that we received, you should get into our closed Facebook group because that is where we have all these funny little jokes. Um, if you search the Haunted Heart Podcast on Facebook, you can pull up the group. You can request to join either Kenny, myself, or one of our Murder Mod Squad members will approve you unless you are a murderer or a ghost. Maybe we'll approve. If you're a cool ghost, we'll approve. Yeah, we'll approve you if you're like a Casper status. But yeah. if you are whatever lived in the basement in the Amityville Horror, no. No. <laughs> Not getting approved. We don't need that liability. Okay? Um, we're also on Instagram at The Haunted Heart Podcast. We're on Twitter at The Haunted Heart. And you can email us anytime at thehauntedheartpodcast at gmail.com. If you are interested in having a an invocation of your own, like what you heard at the top of the show, check us out on Patreon. We are uh, patreon.com slash the haunted heart. And you can sign up there. We have tiers starting at just like a dollar a month. Um, and they go up from there and there's all sorts of exclusive content. We read spooky smut stories. We, um, 
and we make fun of them. Uh, we yeah. read, um, we do scary story readings. So if you really liked last week's episode, we heard from a couple of you guys that really liked that format. Um, if you're into that, check out the Patreon because we do sort of shorter form versions of reading scary stories uh, on there. And I think you'll really like it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's it. Well, that's not quite Not it. quite it. I'm, we're like... It's a little weird this week because we're yeah. doing something a little bit different with our Stay Spooky sign-off. A little different. Speaking of Patreon. A little different, you know. So um, in addition to other perks that are available on the Patreon, uh, one of the perks for Cannibal Cult members and above is you get to record your own Stay Spooky sign-off to be used on the show. So this perk has actually been around for a while but no one has taken advantage of it, <laughs> which is totally fine with us. I mean, whatever. We'll just keep doing whatever the fuck we're doing. Yeah. But um, yeah, so if you are a Cannibal Cult member or above, if you're a member of our Patreon or you're looking to be a member of our Patreon, um, you can record your own Stay Spooky sign-off, email it to us, and we'll play you at the end of the show. Yeah. And we have one today, the first yeah, one to share with you. the first one, our inaugural Stay spooky, sign off. Yeah, I feel a little sensitive about it. I feel almost like, you know, I mean, we always do the stay spooky sign off, and I almost feel like my ego is like challenged uh. in some way, which well, is don't. causing a destabilization of my entire psyche. All right, well, let me get that ball peen hammer. Come on. Now, can I <laughs> give me the hammer? Give, give, give me the goddamn hammer. It's fine. I'm Emily. I'm Matt. I'm Ethan! And you know what you gotta do. You gotta... Stay spooky.